Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode of the Delicious Podcast was uploaded on September the 1st, 2016. To hear more episodes, visit deliciousmagazine.co.uk forward slash dish. High welfare animals and a great tradition of farming. It's perfect with cheeses or for drizzling over poached pears, that kind of thing. For me, the real X factor is there's no added sugar. Mmm, delicious. Welcome to Delicious Magazine's September podcast. I'm Julie Smith, and this month we're still in holiday mood with stories of seas, sunshine and locally sourced goodness. I've been to the beautiful Greek spice island of Spetses to check out what's happening to the Mediterranean diet, and we've bottled a spirit of late-night Italy with Nancy Delonio. We've had a preview of London's brand-new pop-up Italian food experience in the heart of Elephant and Castle, and found out why Cypriots eat veal. And we've been back to good old Borough Market to remind ourselves why London is now such a foodie destination. Mm, delicious. Now the kids may be back at school, but if you're like me, the sounds and smells of the summer holidays are still lingering as I try to recreate those fabulous dishes of fava and grilled sea bream from the simple beach taverners. I went to Spetsy's for my holiday this year, Greece's idyllic spice island, with its elegant white villas draped in magenta bougainvillea. It's the playground of wealthy Athenians. But the simple Mediterranean diet of homegrown vegetables, grilled fish and meat and olive oil is so ancient, yet so healthy, that it's even been given UNESCO heritage status. And it's what everyone on the island eats. Even the head chef at the island's grand Posidonian hotel, Stamatis Marmarinas, uses the same ingredients grown in the hotel's organic farm. Wild rockets, all the fresh herbs. We have our chickens, so we have our eggs every day. And the olives. And the olives. And the olives are very important because you make your own olive oil, yes? We make our olive oil. Uh, it's biological, I Biological as well. Organic, yeah. we call it, yes. yes. Stomatis has just won a gong for the best new talent at this year's Greek Cuisine Awards for his creative contemporary Greek cuisine infused with local gastronomic traditions and ingredients. His Greek salad swaps strawberries for tomatoes and his cucumber is a swathe of gel across a white palette of pretty colours. I asked him to tell me, with the help of his general manager Maria Strati, how he transforms these simple ingredients into his prize-winning ideas. We take the, the olives, we put them in a syrup, we marinate them for one week, we marinate them for a week, and then we 
It's the a, Maltof. It's a molecular yes. process, yes. something like Heston Blumenthal. Yes. So you've sort of exploded yes. the olives, yes. so they appear like a powder, yes. a white powder. A white powder, yes, with a taste of olive oil. It's the most extraordinary thing. I don't think I've ever tasted anything like it. Yeah. And then you put it with chocolate. Yes, with chocolate and bread, and local bread here, Propira. It's a bread with uh, a lot of pepper and uh, anise. This. this is the kind of cooking that has won you the New Talent Award in, in the Modern Greek yes. Awards. Maria, tell me what that felt like as the general manager of the Posidonian to, for Stomatis to get that award. Yeah, I was very proud. I have seen his passion and uh, I always knew he was going to get awarded for his hard work and, um, and love for, for food. So I was very proud because we got two awards, one for the Greek modern cuisine and one for him as the young uh, chef for 2016. Actually, we're trying to become a gastronomical destination on our own. That's why we do so many things in the gastronomy. It helps a lot that we have the farm and that we use the products from there because people are looking for that now. A lot Now we operate it as a restaurant as well, so we organize evenings there. I'm going to ask both of you what your favorite, what's, Stamatis, what's your favorite dish to cook? Uh, for the customer or for me? For me. It's a pasta with bolognese. Really? Yeah. Why? <laughs> it's my favorite place. It's a tradition that our mothers used to do when we were young, and we all we all have very good memories out of that dish. And my my favorite dessert is mosaico. Mosaico, it's a dessert that Samantis does on on the library brasserie, which is a dessert that my grandmother and mother used to do. Uh, it's chocolate and biscuit. Biscuits and praline. It's this. It's one of the desserts that you open the fridge and you cut a piece and then you reopen the fridge and you cut another one. Something like ice cream with uh, chocolate ice cream with biscuits inside. Food like Mama made. You can make your beautiful arty food, but actually what we all really love is, is the food that our mother's made. Dish. In a new regular podcast feature, we're gathering tips from the chefs we meet. Here's Stomatis on how to peel garlic. We can put it in uh, warm water for uh, one minute and then we got the, the skin of the garlic. It's uh, possibly the fevi monodo. It goes away. Yes, it's very easy. Yeah. Mm, delicious dish. Staying with the theme of reinvention of Mediterranean classics, our own Phoebe Stone has been to meet entertainer and entrepreneur Nancy Delolio, who's brought a healthy twist to one of our favourite holiday tipples. You come from a family who enjoy food, your family's own restaurants. Why have you decided to move into the drinks market? My limoncello that I call Limoncello, it is um, reinvented, um, a drink that is well known all over the world. At the same time, what I call is the really contemporary uh, version. I can write contemporary version because it's the only product without any sugar. Not only completely organic, but the, for me the real X factor is there's no added sugar. So um, it is, in a way, a completely new drink coming from the heritage, coming from the Limoncello, because this is linked to my course from my roots, the sun that I've been grew up with. And yes, I do love a good food, a good drink, and trying to be as possible much more healthy. And I think it is the way we're going to find to, to fight the big enemy is the sugar. 
So if your friends were to come round for dinner, what would you make for them? I would do some good pasta, some vegetables, and especially my uh, my aubergine parmigiana. This is my number one plate. So that's the only one I can cook. Yes, I'm sure they would be happy. <laughs> and to drink? <laughs> well, to drink, I would start with uh, limoncello with of prosecco, course. and the finish with shot of limoncello. And of course, always, always on some champagne on the side. Mm, delicious dish. Now, some of you might have already discovered Italy, those gastro malls where you can taste, buy and feast on the best Italian ideas and produce. Well, one of its founders, Andrea Rasca, has brought a version of the idea to London's Elephant and Castle. The pop-up market is called Mercato Metropolitano and opens this month with stalls selling all kinds of Italian food, with a large seating area and a cookery school. I went to get a preview and asked him about his plan. Uh, chefs coming from Italy, from UK, from all around the world, and they will teach simple recipes to people. This is what I want, because this is about simplicity, ingredients, more than the capacity of the chef. The food must be good, first of all, not organic, first of all good, then natural. And then it has to be healthy, it must be do good to you. If we forget this and we just want to fill our stomachs, then we go and buy cheap products. And these cheap products are super expensive in reality, in the long term for your body and for the environment. So we want to be sustainable because artisans are sustainable because they do everything with their hands, with their passion, with love. They take care of the cattle, they take care of their bread, of the yeast, of, the, of everything. But actually it's just a very Italian philosophy, isn't it? I think it's in our DNA. But I think that people all around the world are discovering again what it is. So in different forms and patterns and shapes. So I've seen a lot of farmers market around the world. A lot of beautiful markets like Bora Market and all the others. All of them have got something nice. What we are trying to do is to put them all together in a new concept of retailing, which has, it has to explode and give space to small people because they have no space on the shelves of these super chains. This is like the sort of the balsa wood version of Italy. It and it's it about bringing really great food, very simple food, to an area of London, and let's talk about that, that hasn't really got that. How are you going to survive in basically Elephant and Castle? Everybody wants to go in Oxford Street, as I told you, or in New York, in the centre. Fantastic. There's plenty of that. We are a social experiment. We are looking for locations like this. In Milan, we found an abandoned railway station. And we gather 2.5 million people in four months. People travel to come to us, and the people around us will be involved. We have uh, gardeners from this area who work uh, on a voluntary base here. We are giving jobs to the people local uh, around uh, this area. So we believe that we, you can build up a, a new social environment from what you have without destroying and rebuilding, I don't know, flats or whatever. This is what they had. With little money, you can do it with ingredients and a little bit of creativity. Yeah, it's a metaphor for what you're doing with the food. Exactly the same. Go back to the origins, take the small people, I love the small people, but let them sit around the table. And I, oh, believe me, when you sit around the table and you share food with people, there are no wars around. And the small people seem to like it. I went for a mixture of cured meats and cheese and also some really nice focaccia filled with um, some sort of pale, quite mild white cheese. Um, it's absolutely delicious. I've been slightly greedy and gone for two things, but it all looked so nice I wanted to try it. So. And it's on a little rustic chopping board there yeah. and a little bit of parchment yeah. paper. It's all very kind of cool and... A bit hipster, isn't it? Yeah. This, this, is, this is the poshest ice cream I've ever had. And is it the best ice cream you've ever had? It's in the top five, maybe. Yeah. Fantastic. Anybody else eating? Pumpkin filled tortellini with a butter and sage sauce. Look at you. Mm. I originally asked for 
uh, ragu bolognese sauce, but I was told by the Italian waitress that that was a bit of a faux pas in Italy, so that I'd be com- clashing two flavours. So, uh, and you went was, with it? Yeah, I went for it, and it was, it was a good recommendation. Delicious. And so to the taste of Cyprus, with this year's winner of BBC's Food and Farming Awards, Gourmet Goat. I met Nadia Stokes at her stall at Borough Market and asked her why she uses rose veal. Uh, We were predominantly working with kid goats, so we were working with the billies from the dairy industry, so male calves that would otherwise have been euthanised because they were surplus to um, the, the, the requirements of the farmers. And what we did was we take traditional existing um, dishes and recipes from the Eastern Mediterranean and we use sustainable British ingredients. Um, we reached a point where we felt that uh, rose veal would be the natural progression. Exactly the same um, ethical considerations, except on such a bigger, bigger scale. You know, what's happening with the billies, the, the kid goats, is it, obviously you know, a serious challenge and that has to be addressed. But what's happening with the, the male calves it's, it's, it's far, far, far bigger in terms of numbers that have been euthanized um, and that actually. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. We really should be um, consumed in, in Britain. The word veal. Yeah, it still has that connotation of you know really yeah. bad animal. Okay, well, well, let's let's talk about that because actually that's what most people associate it with. They associate it with that horrible image of the veals being you know shoved into craze, absolutely vile circumstances. But you know that's actually banned in the UK and has has been for for a very long time. Um, and let's talk specifically about what rose veal uh, means. That is the colour of the meat. That means it's a healthy, healthy animal because it's got all the necessary iron and all the necessary nutrients in its body. What we were seeing in the past and what associated with those images was the white, uh, white veal. This is rose veal. This is, this is guaranteeing you that what you're eating is actually high welfare. And in fact, what you should be doing is eating more of it as a result. Um, and this is actually something that the RSPCA are, are saying as well. It is the right thing, the humane thing to do, really. Um, because otherwise, they, the cattle gets exported at best, or at worst, is euthanized. 
I asked her if her classic Cypriot dishes such as kid goat and slow roasted veal are about her identity, about a sense of home, or whether they're just about great taste. It's interesting because it's a bit of a paradox because, you know, politically and socially, my background was very, very unstable. My family were refugees. Um, and here I have a very stable environment and one which is conducive to you know, bringing this amazing cuisine and culture. Yeah, of course I cook from the heart. A lot of it's memories from the past. It's um, preserving the past. It's giving the past a bit of a future. Um, but what we do is we, 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 we look out for British underused ingredients that have a really strong ethical argument. Um, like kid goat, like rose veal, uh, and we're giving it our, our, our colour, um, our, our character, and it seems to be going down well. You know, I think ultimately people just like good food, wherever you are. They're open-minded as to it. I mean, there are obviously questions, but when people try it, they, you know, they love it. They love it, so... And does it work for you? Does it, does it do the flavours remind you of home and oh. make you feel... It's, a, it's, it's yeah, it's... It, it works. It is obviously a very strong memory of me being in my grandmother's kitchen and being out in the fields and all that. It, 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 yeah, of course. But what makes it better is that it also represents, sorry, the future as well because we're using contemporary ingredients and we're giving it a contemporary feel. We're not just taking traditional recipes and just putting it in front of people. We're giving it our own little twist because, you know, ultimately the stuff that we're using is British. To the extent we can, you know, we try really hard to do that. Mm, delicious dish. Gommy Goat is just one of the amazing food stalls at London's Borough Market, which have made it a real tourist destination. I asked some of the other stallholders, Jamie Wallace from Cannon Cannon Charcuterie, Sam Wallace from Field and Flower, and Paul Day from Sussex Fish, why British produce is so in demand. We have this amazing high uh, welfare animals. We produce some of the best meat in the world. Um, and we were all familiar with the continental, the French, the Italian, the Spanish meats, and yet why weren't we producing something as good as that when we've got these amazing high welfare animals and a great tradition of farming? And why weren't we? Because the, the tradition had, had, um, had faded out um, over time, partly because we industrialised first, so we got rich first, so we didn't need to kill an animal and save it over, over the winter or over the summer. And partly because we're a, a colder climate, so fresh meat was easier for us to deal with. Whereas in a hotter place, you need to preserve your meat somehow. Um, and if you didn't have refrigeration, curing was the answer. But it's come back in here because of our um, great love of, of artisan food. And there's a huge appetite for that. And when people at the market are just tasting your charcuterie, are they tasting it because it's British or because it's good, because they've heard about it or because they like charcuterie? I think it's a combination of all, all those three. I would say that, wouldn't I? But definitely the British angle helps. Because we are, we're, we're a bit pricier. We, we don't do the volumes that they do on the continent. So our meat and our, our produce tends to be a bit more expensive. So to draw them in, we've got to tell them about the story, who the producer is, the quality of the meat, the fact that it's British, and that certainly appeals to a lot of our customers. And people do love a story, don't they? They love the story, absolutely. So when we're, we're working with a producer, the ones we want to go for are the ones with a great backstory. They've got to have the consistency of supply and they've got to produce a fantastic tasting product. You know, if they hit all those buttons, then we're, we're happy to work with them. Mm, delicious dish. 
when the weather's working, we have a great climate. It's very good for bees, very temperate. The winters tend to be milder than other places. So in terms of honey production, we're really lucky. Um, and there's plenty of beekeepers and bee farmers around the UK specialising in everything from hedgerow honeys to wildflowers to specific what's called monofloral varieties like heather, borage, clover and the like. So for somebody like me who just wants them just to have an extraordinary taste of honey, what would you suggest? I would say um, pop down to uh, your local market, you will find a beekeeper there, or certainly a local farmer who has bees on his farm and sells it perhaps in their farm shop, and try it because you'll get the local flavours. The honeys that come from where you are, especially if they're multi-floral, taste of your environment. Bees forage up to five to seven miles looking for food. The variety of flora and fauna, not just in the countryside but in cities as well, is really abundant. And if you even get a multi-floral honey, you could be having notes like linden tree, which is full of lemony citrus notes. You might get some chestnut or some oak, which is warmer, more rounded, more nutty. And then at the lighter end of the scale, you'll find wildflowers, which will give it that lovely fragrant lightness and sweetness that you get from honeys. And you'll notice that they'll change over the season. So at the beginning of the season, pollen tends to be lighter. So it's clearer, delicate honey, very um, light notes, perfect with cheeses or for drizzling over poached pears that kind of thing um, and then in the, later in the season so towards October September time you see the honeys are getting darker much more full bodied so wonderful as a glaze for things like roast meats or again stronger cheeses putting in your porridge as the nights draw in you know that kind of coldness the warmth of the honey from later in the season is really I find quite um, enticing and warming when the light is going from the day Mm. Uh, I must say, when I first came here, it blew me away. Within the first couple of weeks, walking around, thinking, oh my God, there's some really good produce here. But there's a lot of good traders here that are putting a lot of work into their speciality. It's, it's a good mix of people in the market, British and from all around the world. What created the interest uh, in food, do you think? The TV certainly has helped. I mean, when we had, for my experience with the fishing, when Hugh Fernie Whittingstall was on the Channel 4, they'd done a weekly, uh, a nightly run for a week. It was amazing, the response. So the power of television was fantastic because I've never seen a response like it. And a lot more people getting more confident to come in and talk to you about what they want to do and confidently that you'll look after them and, and supply them the fish that they want. And with something like fish, it is about confidence, isn't it? It is. People are very intimidated by it, but they shouldn't be. It's the world's quickest fast food. It's the, the original, come in, do it in minutes. You don't want anything that's going to take you an hour in the kitchen. You can come in with fish and generally have a meal ready on the table in less than 15 minutes. Mmm, delicious. And finally, a word from delicious editor Karen Barnes on what's in the September issue of the magazine. Mmm, delicious. September is an interesting month putting together Delicious magazine because I think everyone has that sense of holding on to the golden days of summer somehow and remembering wonderful holidays even if you haven't been on one you like to to look back on golden summer days sitting outside and drinking a lovely glass of frosty white wine when it's warm and I think it's about capturing and retaining those memories and that feeling of, of happiness and uh, maybe calm that you achieved on holiday or maybe not, <laughs> depending on what your holiday was like and who you went with. 
we threw out a challenge on social media this year to ask people which dishes they remembered most fondly from their holidays. And we had so many suggestions. It was fantastic. And then we set ourselves the challenge of recreating those recipes in the test kitchen. Anything from uh, soup de poisson, which is a personal favourite of mine and the food editors, and uh, things like um, pasta, fresh pasta with wonderful end-of-summer tomatoes and uh, burrata, that wonderful creamy uh, falling-apart mozzarella cheese. And we tried to capture that sense of holiday. So that's one of my favourite features in the September issue of Delicious. And I would encourage everybody to have a look at a feature that we've done about an initiative called 91 Ways in Bristol. Uh, it's a, uh, an initiative that was set up by an inspirational woman called Kalpna Wolf. And it's called 91 Ways because it represents the 91 different languages spoken in Bristol. And the idea is that lots of people gather together from nations all over the world, um, people who've been displaced, people who have always lived in Bristol. There's a whole mixture of people. And the idea is that they gather together and they share their stories and they cook together and then they sit down and share the food and have a, a wonderful community moment. One of the things that Kalpner says is that it's so easy to focus on our differences and yet food is like a calling card. It's, it's something that you don't need to explain if you just put a plate of food in front of somebody and you sit down and share it and it's a, a representation of your life and your background, then somehow it has a, a, a wordless way of bringing people together. So... It's an important feature and uh, we talked to four of the women involved in that. They tell their stories a little bit, give a bit of an insight and also share one of the recipes that they've cooked for the feasting. But those are just two tiny glimpses of an issue that captures that, um, maybe that slightly end of summer feeling and also that back to school feeling and that sense of a new academic term that we always have at this time of year, looking forward as well as looking back a little bit fondly. I hope you enjoy it. And that's it from the September edition of the Delicious Magazine podcast. Next month, we'll be focusing on the Delicious Produce Awards, meeting one of the judges, Peter Gordon. The rapeseed oil that's being produced, the breads, there's been an explosion in coffee, all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, people expect quality. And hearing about Brighton's new i360 restaurant. You know, we're, we're really blessed here. I mean, I think Sussex has got some of the finest produce in the whole country. You know, the fact that we've got, you know, apples produced in our orchards up the road, you know, lamb and fabulous cheeses. I mean, we're just, it's just such a rich larder that we're, we're able to work with here. So it's really exciting. And if you'd like to get in touch with any of your ideas, call us on 0203 868 1919. Or you can email readers at deliciousmagazine.co.uk. Mmm, delicious. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.